welcome to humans leading humans towards a future of work that works for people. A smorgasbord of snackable stories to help you be a more effective leader. In today's episode, I am delighted to join the fabulous Carol Lazel. She is the Senior Director of Customer Experience at Salesforce, but more importantly, in some ways, an extraordinary woman. So I really, really, really can't wait to hear which stories she chooses to share. But first, let me explain why you should dedicate 15 minutes of your precious time to listen to this podcast every week. So do you happen to work inside a large, complex organization, whether that be private or public? Do you sometimes feel that you are skiing uphill through honey, that it's impossible to change the beer moth you're working within? It's just too hard. If that feels familiar, then this podcast is my gift to you. Humans leading humans will, if I get it right, become your snackable audio fuel kit, packed with the stories and the tools and the inspiration we all need to shine as imaginal leaders. What do I mean? Well, for the last 20 years of helping leaders take large, complex organizations through the rocky road to transformation, I figured out something really strange. It turns out that leaders at all levels in every different sort of organization face the very same challenges and they can overcome the hurdles in the same ways. The reason that brilliant leaders and their companies thrive in the information age is really very simple. They create work environments in which humans thrive. It really is just common sense, but we all know that most companies and the leaders inside them hold on to the traditional ways, the command and the controlled hierarchy. Even though everybody knows really, when we step back and look at those ways of working, that they don't work. Or at very best, they are way, way, way past their sell-by date. I'm guessing that you like every leader that we work with, have invested a shared load of time and money into traditional training, the strategy consultancies, the technology. We all know where we should be heading and what we should be doing, but converting knowledge and ambition into action and behavior change is really, really hard. And I explain more about why it's hard in episode one, but it is doable. Trust me and people have done it. And I've met some of those incredible leaders on my journey. I've been blessed to work with them, to be inspired by their braveness. I've learned from them. I know what works and what does not. So it would be really, really, really mean if I just kept all those incredible people and stories to myself. That would be really, really selfish. So I've decided to do the right thing and share, like all good humans should. I've consolidated my learnings from years of knowledge and experience, and yes, sometimes pain, into one simple, memorable framework for success. I call it the CREATE framework. 
And every week, I'm inviting one of my guiding lights to share three, just three, warts and all short stories of how leading like a human actually works through the lens of that framework. Why? Because we do not learn from stats. We learn from stories. We're built to react to the hero's journey. We can share stories in a way that we just don't share stats. So this podcast will be a growing compendium of the real lived experience of your peers about how they managed to make change stick. From next week, this section of the podcast will include three of the stories that most resonate with me from my clubhouse room, Humans Leading Humans. So please do come join us if you think your story could help other leaders to become more, well, imaginal. Oh, and if you want to know what imaginal leadership means, do head to www.wearebeep.com. It's a really, really lovely story, and I'm absolutely convinced that you will want to share it. But enough of that. I am so excited to be able to introduce Carol Lazel, who is one of my guiding lights. I met Carol... And this happens with lots of the people that I'm going to end up interviewing in this series of podcasts. Some people, I meet them and I feel like I've known them forever. They're, they're part of my tribe. And it took me about two seconds to realise that Carol was definitely part of my tribe. And it's felt the same ever since. So, Carol, tell us, you know, where has your particular brand of leadership awesomeness come from? What's been your experience so far? Yeah, thanks, Kat. So um, I've been in retail banking for the last sort of 30-odd uh, years. And throughout that time, I've done large-scale leadership. So I've worked in the branches and I've done many areas, uh, predominantly sort of uh, southeast and in London, and then transcending to go on and run things like the complaints teams uh, in some of those banks. And I've also done digital skills as well. So a big passion of mine is around how you take technology uh, and how you impact empower colleagues to then empower your customers. For me, a big part of, you know, me and my leadership style, I guess, and what I've learned over the years is treating people uh, how you wish to be treated. And that might sound a bit cliche, but I've always been a big believer. I don't do hierarchy. And I don't care if you're the most senior person in the company or you're the most junior person in the company, I will treat you exactly the same. And one would argue the most junior person is the most important because they're more likely to be the people that are talking to your customers. So for me, it's always been about making sure that I impress down. I am there to serve my team. I'm not there to serve the senior people within the organization because I've always felt if I serve my team, if I'm there to impress them uh, and to make it a great place to work, naturally they do a good job, which does reflect on me. Uh, and that's always been, I guess, the, the secret to my success, I feel, over my uh, years of being a leader. Completely. It's common sense. Just like we were saying a few minutes ago when we were chatting, it's just like, for goodness sakes, if you look after your team and you make sure that your team are absolutely empowered and you focus on that, then you're going to impress your leader anyway. And, exactly. And you've got some really exciting uh, changes coming up for you. 
do you want to have a quick yeah so um after i've just finished a couple of years working at nationwide building society which was incredible but i'm just off now to join salesforce as a customer transformation senior director for banking so uh, salesforce have created a team of experts i think between uh, the team that we're in we've got over 300 years of uh, experience in our chosen fields and we will be there to, to help salesforce and to help our customers with their transformation uh, because you know tech is an enabler but having the human element and thinking about actually how is it going to land with your colleagues and customers uh, you know that is a really challenging thing to do because culture is everything so uh salesforce have created this team and i'm delighted to say i'll be joining them to go and uh, talk to some of our amazing customers and help them with their digital transformation very, very smart move of Salesforce, if you don't mind me saying so. You're the most human person I know. <laughs> so at the beginning of this podcast, I always send uh, all of the interviewees the CREATE framework and ask them to think about three warts and all stories that actually help the people who are listening to really understand how you put these into practice. And we all know that these are not easy. Driving change, doing things differently is tough. And so I think by people really understanding human stories of rather than I did this and that happened and I always knew it would and therefore I'm really successful. The truth is I thought about doing this and it was really hard and I had to do X and Y and Z and then I got to success. And it's those learnings, not failures, challenges, those learnings that I think people really need to hear to give them the courage to be better leaders. So when you first looked at the CREATE framework, what bubbled to your mind? Oh, so, so much because, you know, there's some every single word in there just sort of resonates and you can always think of some great uh, examples of, yeah, that absolutely makes sense to me. So if I think back to my time when I was an, an area director, absolutely one of my favourite times uh, in, a, in a leadership role, I was responsible for about 14, 15 branches, a team of about three, four hundred people. Uh, and at the time I was working uh, in an area in London, which is one of the most socially deprived areas in London, incredibly diverse. Uh, and the team, when I took them over, weren't performing to their best ability. Uh, and we had a balanced scorecard and they was sort of down the bottom on a lot of those measures. So I think when I, when I looked at this framework and think about what I did when I went into that team, it was about number one, really spending a lot of time on I guess equality because it was so the demographic of the customer base I didn't feel necessarily the leadership team was a true representation of the community that we served so if you really want to be successful when you're in that type of role you really have to understand your community you have to understand your customers uh, and you have to build trust uh, within that community so I went about spending a lot of time making sure I had the right leadership team in place uh, and that was to make sure that it did match exactly what was part of our community at the time there and then I think it was about giving them belief and I know belief is not there within the create framework but I, you know I think you can uh, pick out them 
when the team is not doing so well, that is the time that you have to give them more trust. You have to give them empowerment and you have to say, you've got this because sometimes the rewards don't come overnight. Sometimes it's about little steps, one step forward, one reason why they can do it as opposed to 10 reasons why they can't. And actually what we started to see from there was the team starting to blossom. And for me, it was about making sure that everybody understood we were a team and we would only cross the finish line when the last person crossed over that finish line it wasn't about who was going to be first it was going to be making sure that we all helped each other's out so whether it came to a you know we were short staffed one day about how everybody would rally around to make sure that all the branches had the right number making sure that you know we were delivering amazing service and how we would start to then and this was a few years ago before the days of mobile banking apps and things like that but how do you start to use technology in a way that can serve your community as well um, and you know we were so incredibly successful and we went at the time from one of the bottom foot performing areas uh, in the country at the time to one of the top performing oh and there was this little thing called the olympics that was thrown in the middle because we also had the olympics at the same time where our footfall within uh, the area grew by eighty thousand a day that was sort of coming past our branches we had to make sure the cash was there and it was one of you know I will still look back on that time with great fondness because I've never seen a team collaborate and communicate with each other to make sure that we were successful and to make sure that the Olympics uh, was a success for all of our customers as well to help them sort of get about their daily lives so an incredible time. And I think the CREATE framework, you know, when I look at that, just embodies everything that makes me feel excited about what we went through at that time. Apart from belief. So but we can't turn it to, I don't know, CREABE. CREABE is the word. <laughs> That's a quite word, isn't it? <laughs> that was brilliant. So, so you talk about moving from a situation, so you're building a whole new team, which is a different demographic. You know that the most important thing is to build trust. Can you think of a time where actually that became really hard? And how do you have, because building trust is tough. Let's, let's be honest. It is. Uh, and I, I think sometimes uh, this is about showing your own vulnerabilities. Um, and I think when I, when I think about um, the positive feedback that I've received from my team is people go, please take this in the right way, but you're so normal. You're so down to earth. And I think that naturally helps you to build trust. So one of the things I've always done as a leader, whenever I do a one-to-one -one or whenever I'm with the team, at the end of the session, I will always say to people, is there anything that you want me to do differently? Is there anything that you want from me that you're not getting? Have you got any feedback from me to help me become a better leader? Uh, and sometimes that can be some of the feedback. In, if you create the right environment, you can get some really powerful feedback that you know helps you to uh, bolster your strengths. So I'm a big believer in focusing on your strengths as much as in maybe some of the development areas. But some of the messages sometimes can be quite tough to receive as well. But they've made me the leader that I am today because my team have been incredibly open and honest and generous with that feedback. Uh, and therefore, sometimes you do have to go away and and reflect and you have to look at yourself in the mirror to say that wasn't my intention to come across like that but clearly that was my impact 
I know. So, and one of the learns that I had early on in my career, I'm, I'm quite an extrovert. Uh, I'm very energetic. And, and one of them, my manager said, oh, actually, I find you quite patronizing sometimes. And I was horrified by that feedback because um, it certainly wasn't my intention, but she was much more of an introvert and my excitement and energy that didn't resonate with her. So I had to learn very early on to say, actually, how can I uh, adapt and, and modify my style to make sure that I'm matching that of my audience and it's, it's still something that I you know I have to do on a regular basis to hold myself in check I'm not saying tick I've done that one but continue to think about how you learn and adapt your style based on the audience that you're dealing with and, and you know it can be tough but I think you know people really value when you are open to say this is something I'm still working on. If you can help me to become a better leader, point it out when I'm doing it. Sometimes I don't realise I'm doing it. People love that. And it does help to build the trust. And that to me is brave because we all know that actually hearing something that can be seen as criticism can be tough because the way our brains are built is that our own ideas are the best ideas. And therefore, somebody turning around and saying, you know, like you say, I'm a Tigger. Uh, yeah. When I'm with somebody, I get really super excited. And it took me neuro-linguistic programming for me and understanding mirror neurons. And I still struggle with it because I'm who I am. Yeah. But actually, if you listen to people's tone and listen to their speed and watch their body languages and make sure that you're really, and it's empathy. Yeah. It's start where they are, not where you want them to be. And that's tough. But it's always, you know, for me, when, when you've got your team in there, it's about asking for that regular feedback. If you're in a room with either a peer group or a more senior group, and, you know, you want to have that impact, who's your critical friend in the room? Who's the person that you can go to afterwards and say, give me some feedback? How did, did I, you know, with that point I made, did it come across okay? Uh, and again, I've always uh, surrounded myself with critical friends and asked them for regular feedback and will continue to do so because you should never stop learning um, and you should never stop getting that feedback uh, because it could just be the slightest, tiniest little thing that can make the difference. So that's something I've always done throughout my whole career. I am 100% with you. And one of the things I go on about, I, there's a few sort of strap lines that I use over everything can be better always. And if you... Just think of the whole world through that lens, by which I mean nothing's ever perfect. So if somebody says that could have been better, that's not a complaint. It's not criticism. It's an opportunity to improve. And I think that might segue into your next story. Yeah, so um, I ran the complaints team um, and absolutely, again, loved every minute of that. Had to spend a lot of time rebuilding the team at the time. Again, giving belief because... Complaints can be quite a draining department to work in because no surprises, a lot of people are unhappy. So you have to have a special type of person, I think, that works in there for a long time. But again, creating the environment to make it a great place to work where people want to come and work because they will learn and their careers will blossom was a, a big challenge. But then it was also about saying, well, actually, how can we turn this on its head 
not only just to, to, to fix the complaints and to handle them and get the right outcomes for the customers, but then it's about how do you then reach out to your colleagues where the complaints are coming from in the first place because, you know, they might be registered through the phone or where a customer comes into a branch or for a digital channel. How do you then start to, again, use technology uh, and use that as a, an enabler but then to start to use it to, to reach out to your customers. How do you get your colleagues to go, how can I get the feedback? How can I almost predict and prevent the complaint from happening in the first place? Because we are delivering awesome service. So, um, I set up a, a proactive business um, and that was very much looking about how we use data to predict and prevent to say, oh, we're noticing a change in behavior here. So are we seeing something different? Should we reach out to that customer at point A rather than point C where they might have complained? And do we start to use data? And then we started, you know, the team really started to get creative then to go, what are the scenarios that we could start to, to use this data? It, in the right way where we can wow customers. And um, I don't know if you recall a few years ago when very sadly there was some, uh, there was a terrorist attack in Barcelona. And what we was able to do, and even though that had nothing to do with banking as such, we were thinking we have customers that might be affected by this particular incident. So within half an hour, we was able to isolate uh, all of our customers that had used their debit card in Barcelona for the previous 48 hours and just sent them a simple text message to say, we believe that you might be in Barcelona if you're stuck. If you need help, please pick up the phone to us. We are ready and waiting. And the messages that we got back, you know, talking about building trust with your customers, we didn't want anything. We weren't trying to give them a product or a service. We were just there in a moment of stress, in a moment of crisis, uh, and we were there from them. And the messages back were like, thankfully, my family are safe, but wow, I can't believe I've got a message like this from my bank. People took to social media at the time. And we're not talking huge volumes here, but it was just if it was the one text message or the one tweet that said that we made a difference to that one customer. And that was great. And building that trust and obviously being there in the moments has never sort of come to life more than ever in the last sort of year for obvious reasons. And being able to demonstrate that you're there not just for your customers, but for your colleagues there, because you have have to look after your colleagues uh, because they are there serving your customers so if you don't look after yourself you don't look after your team then you're going to be no good to anybody so making sure that you have I guess that the, the framework the foundation level to look after your team in those moments and showing that you care showing that empathy and, and true authentic empathy you know has always paid dividends throughout my whole career as well Listeners, you can't see me, but my my grin is bigger than a grinny thing. I tell you, hearing that story, it just makes the hairs on the back of my neck stand up. It's like that's doesn't matter what brand you are, you want your customer, that human at the other end of that moment to go, oh my God, this person cares. Yeah, absolutely. They actually, even when they're not trying to sell me something, 
They've just done something that made me smile, made me feel like that this human is cared for. But that, you know, that creates the, the warmth that, you know, people talk about great customer service and great customer experience. I'm a big believer if you put service first, naturally income, profits, growth will come, will follow because people will remember that one moment when you did something for nothing as it were. And then when they do have a moment where, they do need a product or service they're going to go ah I remember Carol and her team I'm going to go and take my business to them Uh, and I truly truly believe and it comes back to when you're in crisis just continue to have the belief continue to deliver the great service because that's what people will remember and also the people who are in your team knowing that you're doing that to give feels good yeah it's so it's common sense isn't it it's like you know at the end of the day i find it really odd when i'm talking to companies about customer centricity and we need to understand the customer better and i'm like you are the customer we are humans you know you happen to be a human in a role right now where you happen to be working in a corporate as a leader but you're a human we're all (laughs) and so i think you know one of the things that I spend a lot of time doing when I'm working with leaders and when we're working with leaders is get them to understand it's about human experience. It's about really understanding how that human feels at that moment, whether it be in the context of working inside a corporate or a context of walking into a bank or the context of being somebody who's part of a council. It doesn't matter. It's the same thing. And to give feels good to get is powerful yeah i completely agree and again you know when you look at your framework and reward is on there for example reward it isn't just about you know monetary reward or promotions sometimes it's about just remembering to say thank you and you know and i always used to say to my team give give me stories i would love to pick up the phone to some of your team and just say well done to them and people and i say and if you can't you know think of us you can't find one look harder because they are there and it doesn't have to be the most amazing story ever it could be something really small and it could actually be uh, one of your team who's underperforming and they've just done something like everyone does for granted but for them it's a big step they're the ones catch someone doing something good um and i would always always pick up the phone to go well done and because you know they're getting a phone call from one of the senior leaders people would go oh my god i can't believe they know about this and it just honestly it was the best part of the day the job that what i always do is saying thank you to the team because they love it I love that. And it feels so good. And then, of course, they want that oxytocin hug again. So they're going to try harder as opposed to the other thing. I have loved this conversation. That comes as no surprise at all to me. (laughs) You're such a joy. You're such an inspiration. Um, So the last thing that we do on this podcast is to think, what would be the title? What would be the key takeaway that a leader who's going to listen to this phenomenal quarter of an hour of 20 minutes what are the what's the key thing that you want people to really go that's what makes an awesome leader oh goodness me so many things i think for me you have to continue to invest in yourself 
And what I mean by that is continue to get that feedback, continue to ask your peer group, continue to ask the senior leaders, continue to ask your direct reports, continue to ask the most junior people in your team about, you know, what would make a difference? What do they expect from you? What is it they're not getting from you? And continue to invest and develop yourself. Whenever you're busy, I think the first, if you set some side of, uh, time aside to invest in yourself, I tend to find that's the first thing that goes out the window. That should be the first thing that stays and you hold because every time I have continued to invest in myself, my career has gone from strength to strength because whatever I've learned, I've then said, right, I'm now going to share that. I'm going to share that with my team and guess what? They learn and they develop. Uh, and I've tr- whenever I can see true investment in myself and development, that is when I have been the most successful. I love that. So investing in yourself leads to success. Yes. Oh, and I just, as we're talking as well, I've, I've never had this happen because I've never worked in the kind of the complaints bit, which should be called the improvement department. But can you imagine if you rang up to complain about something and the person on the other hand, end of the phone said, thank you so much for letting us know that because it's going to really help us improve. Absolutely. Absolutely. It, 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 when people complain, they are being generous with their time because they're giving you feedback to say, this is not what I expected. Now, far too many people don't complain. They will complain with their feet and they will walk away from your company. So look at complaints as an amazing source and opportunity for your company to grow. Uh, please don't look at it as a, a, a team at the side that just deals with all the negative stuff because uh, I'm pleased to say the complaints teams that I've worked with have been absolutely awesome uh, and they are an amazing source of information. Thank you so much, Carol. It's been an absolute inspiration. That was amazing. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did, but I fiercely believe that everything can be better always. So I am always open to your suggestions for improvement. What could I do better? What do you want more of? Who do you think deserves to join our list of imaginal guests? So if you have suggestions or comments, or of course a story, that I can include in the stories from Clubhouse chapter of next week's episode, please come along and meet me in my Humans Leading Humans Room, which is every Monday at three o'clock GMT. I'll put the link in the notes. That's 8 a.m. for those of you on Pacific time and lunchtime in Boston and New York, one o'clock. So I really look forward to seeing you there. Put it in your calendar now. Next week, I will be talking to Steve Roberts, who is the head of culture and the chief scientific advisor for Barclays Bank. He is an absolute inspiration. So it will be a real treat, especially for those of you who believe that you can't treat an old dog new tricks. He's got a lot of stories to tell. He's a fascinating guy. So I'm really interested to find out which ones he'll choose to share. You have been listening to Humans Leading Humans Towards a Future of Work That Works for People. This podcast is brought to you in partnership with the Marketing Society. And P.S. 
if you're a senior marketing leader and you're not already a member, you should totally become part of that tribe. And a massive thanks to Super Terrania for the magical sting of stings. Thank you so much for joining me. Be inspired, be imaginal, be more human, and see you next week. Thank you.